0: Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family. Today we are on step 10 of our series, 10 Ways to Avoid a Divorce. And remember, I'm not just speaking to those who are struggling seriously in their marriages right now, I am speaking to you, but also to those who have friends, family members, co-workers, neighbors, who they find out are going through a really rough patch in their marriage, what do you do? And this series, which we are going to put together in a packet, 10 Ways to Avoid Divorce, is designed to give you very concrete, very practical ways in order to heal a hurting marriage. Now, last time I spoke about counseling intensives. It's that new way to help couples, and rather than meeting with a counselor once a week for 45 or 50 minutes and for a series of months, an intensive is actually someplace you go for say, a four-day period, and you might meet with three or four counselors each day for this four-day period, and you have some real breakthroughs from which you can come home and then begin to work on your marriage. And again, to find out about those counseling intensives, you go to dads.org, and then right at the top menu is Get Help, and you scroll down to Marriage, and then you'll see Marriage Intensives. Now, in addition to Marriage Intensives, I need to tell you about something that is also very effective in helping hurting marriages. I try to be very practical about this, and kind of like I read consumer reports, you know, I'm gonna buy a used car, I don't want one to break down on me, so I try to find the model that, has the best probability of success, of lasting, fruitful transportation. Well, that's the same thing with marriage. We want things that not just sound good, but have a certain validity to them. And you might be surprised to hear this, but couple-to-couple mentoring, couple-to-couple mentoring isn't counseling, isn't the use of a professional counselor. It's basically you hook up with a couple who has been through that same rough patch that maybe you're going through right now. And you might meet once a week or once or twice a month, share a cup of coffee, share what's going on. They simply encourage you. Yes, we went through that. We stuck together. We got through that. And they might pray for you. It's as simple as that. And the amazing thing is that with marriage mentoring, just average couples, and again, they don't try to do official counseling, they have found there's approximately an 80 percent success rate with most troubled marriages. And even those couples whose marriage has come to the place where they are separated, a marriage mentor has a 50 percent probability of helping restore those marriages. And It's interesting because I've warned several times before about simply flipping through the yellow pages or going to Google and looking for a local marriage counselor. The success rate across the board for all marriage counselors is about 20%, 20%. Now that can go up considerably if you get a faith-based counselor who's trained and really seeking the good of the marriage and hold the marriage together, but still, 20 percent versus 80 percent is a monumental difference, and you want to take advantage of that. There is a a marriage mentoring type of ministry within the Catholic Church that's very popular called Retrovi, and
1: the only thing I
0: don't like about Retrovi is I have to spell the name over the air for someone who's never heard of it before. It's spelled R E T R O U V A I L L E. But here's a much simpler way to find out about Retrovi is simply go to helpourmarriage.org. Helpourmarriage.org and Retrovi is one of those mentoring ministries that helps renew and restore hurting marriages. Even those marriages are on the brink of divorce, and about the last count I've seen, about 60,000 couples have attended Retrovi weekends, and about four out of five marriages that were at risk have been saved. So couple-to-couple mentoring is a good good strategy along with those counseling intensives. Now we get to number 10, and we're we're talking about ways to avoid divorce, and obviously ways to avoid divorce include lowering stress. Negative stress in marriage will lead to a healthier and happier marriage, and this number 10 step In avoiding divorce and reducing stress in marriage is curtailing, crippling debt. If you look at the various surveys of marriages, that finances are the number one problem for married couples. And I'm going to read you just a sentence from the National Survey of Marital Strengths. This is a survey done in 2000. They said, quote, Even happy couples, in other words, marriages that are fairly stable and and well-ordered, even happy couples disagree more about finances than any other topic. And here's some of the financial friction topics that occur in marriages. Spending habits, you know, somebody's more of a spender, somebody's more of a, a saver. There's trouble saving money and conflicts about that, and then particularly major debts, and we'll hit those. But I wanna bring something forward from one of our earlier sessions in this series, 10 Ways to Avoid Divorce. We did an entire episode, number 220, which dealt with communication. And in that episode, I mentioned the communication strategy skill entitled, PrEP, P-R-E-P, and a book describing PrEP is entitled Fighting For Your Marriage. And it was basically a speaker-listener technique, but one that's been developed and researched and tested in university studies. And there's over two dozen university studies validating the usefulness of PrEP in reducing marital stress. Now, let's put a couple of things together. If PrEP is one of the most effective communication techniques to strengthen marriages, reduce stress in marriages, and if finances are a stress point, well, wouldn't you want to bring then PrEP forward into those types of stressful situations that finances are causing. And that's exactly what I would recommend. And so we want to basically bring together prep and those real raw financial discussions that can really rock a marriage. And just so you know, I mentioned the book describing prep is entitled Fighting for Your Marriage. It's subtitled Positive Steps for Preventing Divorce, and Preserving a Lasting Love. Now, wouldn't you know it, there's not a, uh, it's not very well known, but the PrEP founders, along with some financial guys, have put together a PrEP book just for finances. Now, I wonder why they did that, because finances are the number one source of marital friction, even in healthy marriages. That title is called, You Paid How Much for That? Question mark subtitled How to Win at Money Without Losing at Love. And you paid how much for that is a book that is prep specifically tied to the topic of family finances. And that book will teach you skills and strategies. So for instance, how a saver and a spender can live happily together or Understand how your upbringing, your culture, your gender influence can shape how you and your marriage partner approach money differently. And basically showing the perspectives that people are bringing to the table. And it's generally these problems arise from a wider perspective than just money. There's a lot more things. We bring our whole selves, we bring our family backgrounds, we bring our personalities, to the table and these things need to be taken into consideration with family finances. Now, one of the real rubs for financial friction in any family household is debts. And they have discovered, again in the surveys, that major debts are an issue for over half of all married couples. Now, And in fact, this study was done a few years back, and even since then, it was definitely true back about a dozen years ago, but today, debt is a worldwide way of life, and not just for individuals and families, but for nations and corporations, it is universal. Now, a decade ago, the U.S. entered the debt-fueled nationwide financial crisis that impacted negatively. Banks, the stock market, manufacturers, the housing market, thousands of families suffered severe losses. Many retirees lost the bulk of their life savings. It was a huge financial catastrophe. So I'd like to ask the question, what has been done in the decade long solution to the debt crisis? What has the American public, families and individuals, corporations and our nation as a whole, what have we done to solve the debt crisis? And the answer is more debt. Now, this might sound illogical using debt to solve a debt crisis because it is illogical, but we have run up the largest amount of debt in the history of mankind. There's no one else can touch us in the run up of debt. And just in case you're a Republican, I want you to know that Democrats are responsible for this. And just in case you're a Democrat, I want you to know that Republicans are responsible for this. Both political parties have increased the debt as a way to solve the debt crisis. So how will this all end? Here's a quote from an economist by the name of Ludwig von Mises, and this is what he says, and I quote, there is no means of avoiding the financial collapse of a boom brought about by credit expansion. The alternative, is only whether the crisis should come sooner as the result of a voluntary abandonment of further credit expansion, or as a final and total catastrophe of the currency system involved," unquote. In other words, uh, quit living beyond your means. And again, this is a comprehensive problem But families are not isolated from the wider financial market and from the political economic life of our nation. We are all affected by what goes on around us. And we either live within our means and basically suck it up as far as the runaway amount of debt that we have run up or... um, We can't do that. We don't seem able to do that. We, on a political level, especially, we seem unwilling and incapable of doing that. Then, basically, the currency uh, dissolves. And when that is, and and exactly how that'll take place, I don't know. But I do know this: financial stress prompts marital stress, and a financial disaster will prompt severe marital stress. And we don't wanna put families in the middle of the catastrophe that our nation is heading towards. It's gonna be inevitable. It's fun while it lasts, living on debt. It's like living on a high with drugs, but when you come down, there's a crash. Specifically, there's a number of areas that we can certainly avoid. And not everyone's... going to like to hear this, and I've had Catholic parents tell me that um, they don't agree with this at all, but you need to be very, very cautious about student loans. Student loans are in a category different from every other loan. I believe it was President Bush uh, initiated some legislation that basically there's no forgiveness for student loans in a sense that if you declare bankruptcy, you can walk away from your debts and your credit card debt and everything else, but not your student loans. And what happens now is that to get a student loan, most of the time, they want parents to co-sign for the loans so that if the student graduates with a very expensive degree, that whatever that training was, the job market can't produce enough income for that young person to pay off the debt and their living expenses. So the debt falls then on the parents to pay. That's what happens when the students don't pay. And there's no escaping it. And it's interesting, uh, this is from the February 2nd edition of the Wall Street Journal. Shockingly, Americans over 60 years old have $86 billion in student loan debt, 86 billion. And you might say, well, haven't they paid off their student loans? Well, some people have incurred these student loans by going back to college late in life, but the vast bulk of this 86 billion comes from their children. They co-signed student loans for their children and what the government is doing, since a lot of these people had no idea that they would be on the hook for this. The U.S. government now garnishes Social Security payments of thousands of Americans who co signed student loans for their children. Their children couldn't pay them. Their parents didn't expect to pay them. And now they're beyond their ability to pay. And now their Social Security checks are being garnished by the federal government. And this creates a huge problem. You know, the book of Proverbs is clear as a bell on this, and it's three times in the book of Proverbs, chapter 6, chapter 11, and chapter 17. But basically, the book of Proverbs says, don't co-sign alone. And in fact, chapter 6 is saying, if you co-signed you know, while the ink is dry, go back if at all possible. Don't even sleep. Go get yourself out of that situation. Proverbs eleven fifteen says, he who gives surety for a stranger will smart for it, but he who hates suretyship is secure. Suretyship sh- is basically guaranteeing a loan, co-signing, saying I'll pay if the person taking out the loan doesn't pay. Proverbs seventeen eighteen says, a man without sense gives a pledge and becomes surety in the presence of his neighbor. Now, someone might say to me, okay, we're not simply talking about a stranger and we're not simply talking about a neighbor. We're talking about my kids, but here it is. And it's just what you need to hear. Hear this very carefully. If you want to help finance your children's college, Do it with money that you have, and not with money you do not have. And if you do that, you don't have to face, along with the thousands of Americans over 60 years old, still paying off 86 billion in student debt. And what's going to happen in the future, when the debt bubble pops, and I believe it will pop, I have no idea when it will pop, But when it pops, the price of everything inflated by the debt will come flying back down in price. And that includes car values, home values, and especially college tuitions. They are so high, rising much faster than inflation due to the debt buildup. Now, let me get to another American way of life, and that's car loans. Car loans have become an American way of life, and you're talking about a loan for a depreciating item. In other words, an item that loses a lot of value the moment you drive a new car off the lot, and then it loses its value significantly over about a four-year period. Now, for a depreciating item, it's just debt is something you can and should avoid. And Dave Ramsey is a person I recommend for this. And basically to reduce debt stress, you're reducing financial stress, and as a result, you're ultimately reducing marital stress. Because anytime Debt stress becomes overwhelming through an unexpected loss of income, through health being laid off, a financial reversal in our overall economy, whatever the cause, it can create enormous stress in your home. And I recommend Dave Ramsey, not necessarily for his financial uh, advice. I mean, it's good, but you know. Financial advice is almost a dime a dozen. What Dave Ramsey has discovered is a way to motivate people as a financial coach to actually do these things, to actually reduce their debt loads. Now, he uses an example of the average car payment in the United States today is $475. Okay, okay. Now, he has a plan to start buying a a cheap car, real cheap car, just to get going. Then you engage in a savings program to eventually get a a better car. But he says, what if you took that $475 a month, which has become a way of life for people, and put that in a good mutual fund? He says, with a 12% rate of return, it's a little lower perhaps um, in today's world, but let's say – in 10 years, that $475 instead of a car payment, instead of an investment, would turn into $100,000. In 20 years, you would have $470,000. And in 30 years, you would be worth $1.6 million by simply avoiding the $475 a month car payment. You would be a millionaire. So, Um, there's your motivation if you want it or not, but uh, student loans have skyrocketed since the financial crisis of 2008. And also uh, car loans have skyrocketed and it's like there's no tomorrow and tomorrow sometimes does come. And now I want to get to the ultimate rub because personally, I believe whenever the debt bubble burst, and it will burst, I have no doubt about that whatsoever. It's just that I have no idea when. And a lot of people think they can predict that, and I just don't know how a person could. But in any case, the final clue, big clue for families reducing financial stress is living beneath your means. And specifically, I'm going to talk about perhaps a more modest housing. And I know people don't want to hear this, but in January of 2008, I published a newsletter on family finances. And as far as I know, uh, we were. This was the Dads.org newsletter, which. By the way, you can go to dads.org and get for free. Uh, We were the only Catholic organization I know of, at least in the English-speaking world, that warned of what's coming. And this is what I said. I encourage you fathers, but moms are included, to take steps, even radical ones, to protect the financial welfare of your family. Debt is always an albatross, but during a recession debt can completely ruin a family's finances. Whenever the debt bomb explodes, so many families will be affected that any available assistance will be minimal. I'm sticking my neck out by sending you this warning letter. You'll probably not read too many Catholic periodicals warning about this financial mess until it's way too late to do anything. My advice is not to wait until everyone agrees it's time to do something. Take action now. For some of you folks, this will mean taking major steps like selling your home and moving to a more affordable one. Sound radical? Just remember that it's infinitely less painful to move into a smaller home than to lose your home to the mortgage company. Whatever the economic future holds, you'll never regret living beneath your means, saving and maintaining a low debt profile. There is a way to prevent the boom and bust cycles and debt-driven depressions, yet our national and state governments, our corporate leaders, and the vast majority of American families have chosen the option of plunging headlong into debt instead of economic freedom consequences will inevitably follow. I can't say if it will take 10 weeks, 10 months, or 10 years, but there will be consequences. I wrote that in January of 2008, and it ended up taking 10 months, and we had the housing bust. Uh, A few years later, I was visiting My elderly mother in Florida, and I read in a Tampa newspaper in 2012 that the large investment home, uh, investment organization called Blackstone was coming into Tampa. This is just the Tampa area and buying $1 billion worth of foreclosed homes and turning them into rentals. Talk about devastation of families losing their homes and then having become, become a renter instead of a homeowner. And at that time, communist China was one of the big stakeholders in Blackstone. So communist China is having a part of causing Americans to become renters who formerly owned those same homes in the Tampa area. One Tampa realtor said, it's a land grab like anything we've ever seen. Simply do this, curtail crippling debt, reduce marital discourse, and strengthen your family finances. I'm Steve Wood, your host. You've been listening to episode 223 of Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to order copies of Faith and Family broadcasts and to learn more about Catholic family life.